Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Copon. Sadio, your name is mild, like cinnamon. It is the fragrance in which the lemon grove sleeps. Sadio, your name is the sugared clarity of blooming coffee trees, and it resembles the savannah that blossoms forth under the masculine ardour of the midday sun. Name of dew, fresher than shadows of tamarind, fresher even than the short dusk, when the heat of the day is silenced. Sadio, that is, the dry tornado, the hard clap of lightning. Sadio, coin of gold, shining coal, you, my knight, my son. Welcome to Cop on Podcast, you plump raspberry. Those opening lines were by the Senegalese poet Leopold Sedar Senghor. Do look him up. Talented guy. Ended up being Prime Minister or President or one of those. My name's Owen and I'm delighted to bring you this episode anyhow, which was recorded about an hour after Liverpool Football Club beat Leicester City Football Club via a last-minute penalty won by that magician. Magician Sadio Mane. Joining me were Brian in Hong Kong, Mark in Ireland, Karen in India and Shane in Los Angeles. Reds around the world. I apologise in advance if the sound quality is not up to your expectations, but please believe me, I'm working on it and hope it'll be tip-top the next time. I hope you can enjoy the episode anyway and thank you incredibly for listening. Excellent. Shane, you must have just woken up. Oh, <laughs> no, no, not at all. I've been uh, I've been up since for about four hours now, five hours. But unfortunately, no beer today. No beer today. Just just coffee. Just straight coffee. And on, honestly, I don't think my heart needed any of the caffeine. I think Liverpool provided all the jolting I needed this morning. It was absolutely beautiful, wasn't it? Absolutely beautiful. Brian, where... Where, where did you watch the match? Were you just at home? Yeah, I've got, um, I, I'm very, I'm a very weird person when I watch Liverpool. I have to be on my own <laughs> in front of the screen, get everybody out of the okay. house. <laughs> and uh, this particular game, the first out. 10, 15 minutes, my stream kept, uh, my, you know, providers kept dropping. So I was panicking. I was thinking, oh, that's a bad sign. It's a bad omen. <laughs> get my head in the game. <laughs> but eventually I uh, oh, got it sorted yeah. out. Well, wow, well, that's good. So you could you could see the glory of the end. That Milner penalty. Tell me, Brian, <laughs> did you believe that he was going to do it? Was there an element of doubt? Was there a microsecond when you thought he's going to balloon it? His knee's going to balloon it over the bar. No, he's just oh god. This he, face. It's like he's come back from the future to look from Sarah Connor. That man is just. <laughs> He's man on crack, isn't he? <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> Slots it in, not a problem. He's the coolest guy in the stadium. <laughs> Beautiful, Karen. What about you? You're an optimistic guy. You didn't, you didn't doubt James Milner, did you? And how are you feeling, Karen? Of course. How can you just doubt James Milner when he's on the spot kick? Um, I tried one of those clock things on the pitch when. Um, 
when he's facing the crowd taking the penalty instead of facing uh, against the TV um, when the penalty was taken. And uh, my dad was uh, on my right shoulder. So when he celebrated, I knew it was straight in. So I ran down the living room and came back up celebrating like Robertson when he scored <laughs> against Salzburg. Wonderful, wonderful, absolutely. Uh, yeah, me too. I was running around, literally running around. Um, I've got a new apartment, and I reckon, you know, that my neighbours downstairs might leave me a kind of passive-aggressive note. Um, Mark, uh, how did you celebrate that win, and how are you feeling? It was just, it was relief more than anything. I think uh, we keep saying every almost every week now that that's a massive defining moment in the season, but that was. I, I can't put into words how big that was. Um, just just relief and obviously uh, joyous emotion, but I, I, I didn't really have any doubts about about Milner finishing that one once once it was given, even though Schmeichel was doing his best to, to put him off in terms of his um, his mind games and the likes. I thought I always had faith in Milner. I'm uh, just so happy now. It's fantastic, isn't it? And Mark, I want to stay with you uh, on, on this one. Um, Psychologically, um, you know, Man City, how must they be feeling? Those, those City slickers, you know, they've, 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 they've got to be, you know, like I said, I said a couple of weeks ago when they hammered Watford 8-0. So, you know, if we get a series of sort of last-minute winners and, you know, dodgy goals like we did against Sheffield United, that's the best-case scenario for us, isn't it? Pep's got to be sick as a dog. He's going to be, you know, um, what do you call it? He's going to be out shopping, retail therapy. That's what you call it for another 6,000 euro jumper like James Madison. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's an interesting point that you make. You, you can win games. Obviously, the game is worth three points. But the manner in which we did that, it must have some type of an impact on Manchester City, on their fans and, and, and their team. I suppose it's a collective because... They would have been watching, hoping, along with probably most most of the country, watching and hoping that Liverpool would drop points in that game. And then when Liverpool did concede the goal, they must have just been relieved because they they know they know what Leicester can do to them. They drew a game against them last season, albeit in the King Power. And yeah, it it is a difference. When we won that game, in some ways, if we had won that game two goals by two goals, two nil or three nil, um, I don't think it would have had as as big. Uh, an impact, a negative impact, possibly on Manchester City, because that it's like a kick in the teeth. Because you think that that they, they're going to we're about to drop points. Every drop point is so important. But again, Liverpool somehow find a way to to get the win. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, exactly. A kick in the teeth. That's a good one. It's a smack in the chops. Um, Brian, I mean, you know, 17 wins in a row now. How? Many more plaudits can we give to this team because they they deserve them all, don't they? Yeah, it's uh, it's just amazing. Um, I mean, funnily, I, 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 every game we play, even this game now, it was on a knife edge for for a lot of the second half. But um, whereas you know a lot of these players at some stage previously, I just didn't trust the collective. Um, particularly at the end of the Brendan's uh, reign with us. And these guys, um, you know, Klopp said when he first came, we have to make people, uh, turn them from doubters to believers. And you just believe it. We've, we have got uh, 
that sense that we will find a way to get the three points and it's really working in our favor because I think the other teams sense it. It's like the old, you know, Manchester United teams, uh, you know, Ferguson's teams. You, you, you just sense that they were going to throw everything at at, uh, at teams in the last 10 minutes. And that's kind of what we're doing. We're, we're, we're hunting down three points every single game. And yeah, to a man, they just have that, you know, they, they're all captains out there. Uh, there's no weak links. So, yeah, I mean, to, to do what they've done now is, is absolutely amazing. It is indeed. Yeah, and, and then speaking of weak links, Shane, um, Brian just said we don't have any. I mean, in terms of Leicester and how they came and how they set up against us, I thought it was pretty smart. But we still had 18 shots to their two. And, you know, how the heck can you stop this Liverpool team, Shane? Have you got any idea? Well, I would have to agree with Brian. I, I definitely think this team steps up and fills in where there could be a perceivable weak link. We always seem to step up and have the players in our squad to, to rise to the occasion. For primary example for me today was James Milner. I mean, since the beginning of the season, I don't know what, what it's been, but since the beginning of the season, I've heard a lot of Liverpool supporters talking about how James Milner's his legs have probably gone, his touch isn't there, he's probably off of it, he needs to, he needs to go by the end of the season. I've been hearing that so much, and today was just, I don't know, it was just evidence. It was just unequivocal proof that he belongs in the squad. He provided a solidarity or solidity to the uh, center of the park that we were lacking against uh, RB Salzburg towards the end of the match, and that's why he was subbed on. That's why Klopp put it on. So, yeah, I, I have to agree with Brian. It doesn't seem like there's any wink links now. Granted, they are mere mortals, uh, unfortunately for our boys, but... I, the way that you beat them is, it's it, it's hard. It's obviously it's very hard, but tactically, from what it seems like, uh, Brendan Rodgers or uh, Jesse Marsh for Albi Salzburg or uh, even uh, Rafa, uh, whenever he was at Newcastle, they seem if you can be well, well, well organized, and if the ball can kind of bounce around in your favor towards our 18-yard box and you can kind of get us mixed up and jumbled up, then yeah, you can definitely probably sneak in sneak in a goal or two. But it's, it's, not, it's not due to the, the fact that we're not exceptional. Um, it's just due to the fact that we, we've got you know humans uh, with human error trying their absolute hardest. And so ah, in my mind... With how we're able to regain our mentality whenever we have, I mean, whenever, I don't know about you guys, but whenever that, when uh, James Madison hit in that goal and we were on level, I mean, personally for me, I've definitely felt a big win go out of my sails, um, but it, that did, that wasn't apparent for, for our boys. Klopp rallied them, they all rallied together, and then they pushed forward, and that's also what we saw at RB Salzburg. So, I mean, if you're going to beat them... You're gonna you're gonna need luck, and I think that's probably going to be the only thing that's going to stop them. Well, yeah, it's a very good answer. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. Yeah, when Madison's goal went in, um, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. A lot of wind came out of our sails. I think, you know, for me watching it as well, it was like, oh god, you could see it coming, and then Klopp's face as well. That was everybody's face with his hands over his nose as he was like, oh. Because it was their first shot. We were playing so well, Karen. And that's the thing 
uh, from this match that I that I'm you know I'm really happy about. Is that I thought this was a a good performance with you know great individual performances uh, as well as the team performance. Um, what did you make of it? I mean, you know, Shane's already mentioned James Milner, who was superb. But uh, and he's, you know, who stood out for you, Karen? I think um, along with James Milner, Sergio Mane also stood out for me because, um, first of all, that weight and the direction of the pass to assist Mane to score the opener, I think that was perfection. Mm -hmm. And people complaining about his uh, lack of, uh, you know, uh, correctly attempted passes or his legs are done, he should probably, um, you know, leave the club at the end of the season, blah, blah, blah. And then watching that assist, they might, have, uh, they might be thinking that, why did I say that? I mean, that was just perfect. And uh, we got the opener, so, you know, they were happy, we were happy. And uh, I think I really, um, you know, dislike such people because the, they give equal amount of slack to a player like Jordan Henderson, for example. Um, but then he's improved his game. And now they consider him as one of the best. So uh, they can't really make up their minds exactly what are they, uh, what what should they, how should they really uh, judge a player. Um, each game is different. Each opponent is different. There are good days. There are bad days. But instead of uh, slacking, uh, giving some slack uh, to the team, they instead you know berate the players and you know make threats, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I think um, I don't really uh, you know. Uh, entertain all of that, but in my opinion, I think along with Mane, Milner, Fabinho was uh, the another standout player because he won the midfield battle against Ndidi. That was such a joy to watch, um, if you recall the match. Um, and I and I thought that this was one of the key battles in the game. And if we won that battle, then we have a really good chance to win the game because he really controls the midfield and the attack. And if Jordan Henderson is there. He sort of supports the attack, and, and in his absence, I think Milner was doing that. He was both defensively great and offensively great, and um, these would be my three standard players. It's a wonderful answer. I was, I was just trying to have a have a quick look at some some James Milner statistics from that match. I mean, he defensively he won two tackles, uh, he got an interception um, and a clearance. Um, offensively. Uh, he had uh, um, three shots, uh, one on target, which is a penalty, um, two key passes. Of course, he got that assist, and you're right to bring up that assist, Karen, because that was absolutely glorious. When I when I saw it live, I thought, oh, well, maybe Johnny Evans should have got there. But no, it was pure perfection. We can, we can watch that again and again and again. And uh, you're right, yeah, Fabinho as well. Fabinho versus Ndidi, that was, that was intriguing. Um, totally, yeah, love that answer. Thank you, Karen. And um, and uh, Mark, what, who who stood out for you? I'd agree. Milner is is the obvious one, but I think also uh, Lovren has to get um, a mention because he obviously hasn't played in the team for a long time. We saw Joe Gomez come in midweek. Um, he didn't have a bad game. He didn't have his best game. Klopp made comments after the game saying that it takes time when a player like that has been out of the team to come in. And to get used to the to the to the way of playing again, and that in Gomez's case, he's already played a couple of games this season. Lovren has really been a peripheral figure in the last few months for Liverpool since about January, and he stepped in and he was authoritative. 
and he was on the front foot and he attacked everything that came towards him. He was confident, he was assured, and I think he did so well, considering how long he's been out for, to come in alongside Van Dijk. He made a couple of crucial interceptions and tackles, last-ditch ones as well. So, for me, Lovren did fantastically. Wijnaldum had a good game. As we already said, Fabinho had a great game. So, I, I was just delighted with, with everybody's performance, pretty much. And, but in particular, Lovren, considering the circumstances. Brilliant answer. Yeah, Dexy, the big dog, Brian, uh, talk to me about Dexy. Dexy Lovren coming in from the cold, thrust into the spotlight and performing like Judy Dench giving a, a monologue of Lady Macbeth. It was a beautiful. <laughs> uh, he was on it. He was on it t- um, today. Uh, and you could, I think you can tell with Dexy as well when he's on it. Uh, and, and he, 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 he could just sense this is an opportunity for him to put a marker down again and to remind Klopp, hey, I'm here. I'm, uh, I'm the senior pro at the club uh, and he's going to fight uh, for that position again. I, I just want to uh, make an honourable mention for Andy Robinson as well, because uh, apparently he just laughed in Perez's face when that penalty went in, <laughs> that just tickled me pink because you could see Perez's piss was boiling at the end of that game. Uh, he is just amazing. I love that guy to pieces. But yeah, Dexy, amazing. And it just it just shows you the depth that we have in the squad now. You know, we've got Matip there, amazing. We got uh, Gomez who's coming back from injury, finding his, finding his, his touch again. And um, to have a, a centre-back of, of, of Dexy's quality, who, as Mark quite rightly pointed out, hasn't had any game time at all, really. Uh, completely rusty to come in. And he, he was commanding out there. I mean, there was one time when he was a little bit out of position. I was thinking, what's he doing up there on the, on the right wing? Uh, <laughs> uh, luckily, he, somebody was covering for him, or, or he, he managed to get the ball and knock it out for a throw-in. But yeah, no, I, I, he th- I thought he was brilliant. Well, why not, you know, as well as he played, why not go on the right wing? Take it all on Dixie. Fabulous stuff. He, had, he also had two tackles, two interceptions. They were, all, they were all crucial. I mean, one in the penalty area against Vardy that was absolutely superb. And some great headers as well. Um, it, you know, it, it, eight clearances. And a lot of those were towering headers. Um, Shane, um, the big dog, was brilliant. Uh, we've mentioned uh, by Nell, the Milner, Fabinho, and more. Um, I've got one more that we haven't mentioned yet, but do you have any more standout performers, oh, as well as Andy Robbo, as Brian rightly says? Shane? Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah, I was going to say, I have, some, uh, I have some stats here. First off, I wanted to make a mention. I know we're all praising Sadio Mane for the, for the goal he provided and how he was able to uh, create chances. But I really thought Sadio Mane did so well defensively today. He had four total tackles. I mean, there was at one point he had that sliding challenge on the edge of the box whenever he was going back. Uh, I just was really, really, really impressed with uh, his work ethic and work rate for Sadio Mane. He also had an interception as well. Um, But yeah, everyone has been absolutely right to praise Dayan Lovren. Eight clearances, two tackles, two interceptions. I mean, he really, he really was pretty exceptional. Um, it, it, 
Just a slight mention, uh, I know it might not be uh, exactly the most popular thing to give a, a special mention to uh, any Leicester players, but honestly, I, I, if, I, if I'm not mispronouncing his last name, Soyuncho, Soyuncho, and uh, Johnny Evans, I thought, uh, did a, kind of a good job keeping Mo kind of quiet. Now, Mo did have two shots where I thought if he would have just put it to like a little bit to one direction or another, I think Mohamed Salah could have had two goals. But Johnny Evans and Soyuncho, like I think uh, he had eight clearances. Both of them had four interceptions, and then Johnny Evans had seven clearances. So I mean, they had their hands full. But I mean, it's kind of why we were we were struggling to to make that. But um, for going back to Liverpool before I I dote on uh, Leicester too much. I wanted to bring up uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold's pass accuracy. Now, f when I'm watching the game, and from my experience and from what I was watching, I I thought Trent had a good game. Um, I, there's some balls that he put in, uh, some crosses that were so dangerous. There was one in particular to Bobby, uh, I think maybe 13th minute or 17th minute, and Bobby was sliding in, and it just like went wider up. And I thought Trent really, really had a good job. Now, maybe it's just because he's playing risky, risky balls, but from my understanding, if you look too or you rely too heavily on the numbers, it would suggest that 47% pass accuracy would suggest that maybe Trent didn't have a good game. But watching it and thinking back on it, I, I, really, I really did appreciate his contribution in, in the attacking third. What did you guys make of that? That's a very interesting question. Um, yeah, you're right to bring it up. 47.5% passing accuracy only, which is um, usually pretty poor. Uh, but given Trent's role, um, I don't know. I've got, I've got, I've got several thoughts on it. Uh, but uh, you know, I'll, I'll pass this question on. Karen, what do you, what do you think of it, Trent and his performance today? I think he was really great. Um, and that particular pass to Bobby, um, I think that one was uh, really smart. And um, if if Bobby had the slightest solid touch on it, then it would be at the back of the net. But unfortunately, it didn't go in. So um, apart from that, I think he had total control in that area. Um, he was really good defensively, but there were uh, one or two occasions where he was caught out. But um, but there was money to, uh, you know, cover for him, and he made those two really solid tackles. One was the slight tackle at the edge of the box, and the other was uh, to run down towards Chilwell and uh, force him for a cross, and he uh, blocked the cross, and it went out for a corner. So um, I think apart from that, he had a really good game. Um, I want to see more deliveries, uh, sorry, deliveries into the box. Uh, or someone like Bobby or Mane or even Van Dyke, if he's still up front, someone for these three players to head it in. Um, and also, um, uh, this this thing was mentioned uh, when Kara said that Trent has an opportunity to shine in the midfield. Um, I think that is that is one of the other things that he can really improve on is to take up the spaces uh, in the midfield area and be really creative from that point because if you if you think about the the cross towards bobby it was from a, a midfield area someone of the likes of henderson or fabinho would be in in that area when we have the ball so if he takes up those spaces more often 
and keeps sending crosses uh, towards Afran 3 or even Van Dijk or um, whoever's there to receive at the end of it. I think we have a really good chance to score from uh, uh, such chances. Um, I'm really excited to see more of that. Um, but he doesn't really particularly have to transition into a midfield role, but uh, just take up those spaces because if, if you recall, I've mentioned this so many times that when, when Henderson is uh, earlier, Henderson used to take up the midfield role and Trent was out wide, but now these days, it, it's, a, it's a reverse role. Trent comes into the midfield spaces and Henderson plays wide. And uh, usually it's either, mostly it's a, a trend that, you know, sends those crosses in. And uh, those, most of those crosses are so dangerous that if someone is at the right place at the right time, it is an inevitable goal. So um, I think if something I want to see more uh, from trend, then that would be it. Oh, it's a very, very interesting answer. Yes, um, Jamie Carragher said in the Liverpool Echo just the other day how he would, he would like to see Trent move more centrally and um, you know play a sort of De Bruyne role for Liverpool. I love seeing him out on the right, and you know to give my two pence worth on on this question of whether whether you know how well he actually played today with only 47% uh, pass accuracy. He also got five key passes. He basically could have had five assists, and uh, you know he's. Given the license to, to roam, um, I mean, today he had cover when he was going forward. So he's, he's basically given the task of trying the crazy pass, you know, the one that, you know, I could try or you could try. And it was, you know, in a thousand, we might get three um, if we were lucky. But he gets, you know, sort of uh, six or seven hundred times out of a thousand because he's these are these are almost impossible passes. But but he's he's an almost impossibly talented player. So uh, you know, I think five key passes. He dominates the right. I want to see him there for the next ten years. I do. I mean, I I, I can see why people want him, want him to move into the middle and. And control things from there as well. He certainly could, but for me, I just I'm just so happy to see him there dominating against you know um, great players like Chilwell is a really really excellent left back, and and, and Trent won that battle today. He really did, uh, in my opinion. Um, what's your take on it, Mark? Are you happy that he's there, or do you want him on uh, you know in the centre? Uh, first and foremost, I'm just happy he's playing for Liverpool no matter whereabouts on the pitch he is. I, as, as you said, I can understand why people want to see him in midfield. The, the point that Carragher made was that he's almost too good to be a right-back. Technically, his passing range is... is it's, it's, it's Obviously, full-backs in the modern game do have much more of an impact on, on matches than they used to. But I think people just, the, the eye that he has for a pass when other people maybe can't see it, that's why people think that he can be good in midfield. And look, it's also that thing, you know, Gerard played in midfield for Liverpool. He was a scouser. There's kind of this kind of fantasy dream that Arnold will come into that role as well. And I'm not sure what the, what the opinion is now, but I remember reading not long ago that there was an opinion within the club that eventually... Arnold would move into midfield later on into his career. And look, his career is going to be so long at Liverpool, hopefully 10, 15 years more. So who knows what could happen. 
it's not like it hasn't been tried before, though. There was a, a game at Chelsea at Stamford Bridge a couple of seasons ago where he played, but uh, he didn't have a great game, I remember. That's being very harsh because I think the team was changed quite a lot that day anyway, and it wasn't a characteristic Liverpool team or performance. But I remember watching that and thinking, OK, Klopp maybe tried it for that game just to see how it goes. It didn't go very well. He kind of got a bit lost in the field. And if, it, if we ever do try to make the transition... It'll have to happen at a pre-season stage early on in the in the summer, see how it goes in the pre-season matches, because it's one of those where you could just get lost in, in, in the headlights of, of being in a, in a pack in the field in the Premier League match. But he's incredibly mature, and I can definitely see the reasoning behind it. I, as you said, I'm more than happy just for him to be a world-class right-back, because in some ways, what's more valuable than a world-class right-back, especially for the way that Liverpool play? Why can't he be the the specialist at, at that role? Um, either way, uh, he's going to be a very successful player for, for for many years to come. I'm happy for him at right back. I'd be I'd be open to seeing it happen in in, in the summer, sometime. But you have to buy, uh, spend a lot of money on a right back to cover the gap that he's left there if he was to move into midfield as well. So it'll be interesting to see how it develops. But I'm I'm happy with where he is at the moment. Yeah, very reasonable answer, and that and. <laughs> That little nutmeg that he did before that cross, you know, I mean, he's just, he's just sublime to watch. Absolutely brilliant. Um, and going back to Sadio Mane, because we haven't spoken enough about him. He was my man of the match. I don't know about you, uh, but I thought he was, he was unbelievable. He had, uh, he had three shots, um, all of them on targets. He had one key pass, two dribbles. He was fouled three times. That's the only way to stop him. Um, defensively, the four tackles that Shane mentioned before, four tackles. He was actually our top tackler today. Um, and, you know, but even more than that was the snarl, Brian. The snarl and the smile the half-smile of Sadio Mane. I love to see it. And I'm, I'm so excited that he's he's a red. I mean, we were talking on the WhatsApp group, uh, you know, what happened if we were talking about Rogers, the Rogers days. We'll come on to talk about those in a, in a little while. But, you know, Sterling left. We got Mane in. And I would prefer to see Mane in the red shirt because I, I love the man. I'm in love with the man. Yeah, he's such an unassuming guy as well. But I don't know if, uh, if it's just me, um, but it seems like something has changed in him this season. Uh, there's a there's a steadiness about him. And I, I personally get the sense that he just wants it. I mean, he, sh- he showed this last season, actually. He just, you got the sense that he wanted it more than any other player on the pitch time and time again. I mean, he was... He was the player that was dragging the team over the line. There was a, there's always a sense of urgency about him and about his play. And, and as, um, as, as you guys pointed out already, I mean, he's added that uh, defensive element to his game as well, which, which was kind of always there, but not, not to the level that he's showing now. Um, and yeah, when he's one-on-one, when, when he broke and, you know, James Milner's ball was like something straight out of a FIFA game, full manual pass over the top with the outside of his uh, boot. And I, I just personally, when he was one-on-one with the girl, I thought, this is going in. And he takes two touches, not one, but two, and then just 
casually slots it past him, you know, and, you know, all his teammates are just losing their heads around him celebrating, and he is cool as a cucumber. Love the guy. And, uh, yeah, so happy. Uh, we got, I, I think he's, I mean, I, I, I really like Sterling. I think he's, uh, I think he gets a lot of slack on Julie and amazing player, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I, I take Sadio any day of the week over, over Raheem and, and, uh, let's hope he can keep fit the whole season because he's at the moment, he's just playing out of his skin. I mean, I just checked his age, Brian. I just checked his age. He's, He's 27 years old. If he stays with us, I mean, he's in his prime. He's hitting his prime. You're right. There is a bit of a difference in him. Shane, what do you make of him? Old Sadio, you mentioned him before. But, I mean, we're going to have two more years of this, probably, at least of him being in his prime, being absolutely unbelievable. Oh, yes, absolutely. And I just wanted to to point out, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe this was his 100th game for Liverpool, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And I believe his 50th Premier League goal uh, goal, uh, for the club as well. And just thinking back on his debut, uh, I'm sure everyone will remember it. 2016-17 season, we have that opener against Arsenal, 4-3 winner. It was just such a thrilling game when Continue opened up that scoring. And I still remember that goal Sadio Mane first scored whenever he takes it from the corner and has the amazing solo individual effort just to just to get it into the box and put it in the top corner. And he has only gotten better since then. So yeah, and I completely agree with Brian. There's some hunger, there's some desire that Sadio Mane has that is just it cannot be satiated. I think he's just I think he's just so hungry just to be that much better than than Mo, than everyone else around him, than everyone else in the league. And his finishing has just been so exceptional. Uh, but yeah, I uh, I just I just can't believe. Uh, it's been a hundred games. That just—it just kind of blows my mind that we've watched him play for a hundred games now. It just—the it, time has just gone by so quickly. Absolutely, and here's to a hundred more, surely, Karen. Um, Sadio Mane, you're, you're, you're absolutely right to bring it up, Shane. A hundred Premier League games, fifty Premier League goals. Um, would you rather have anybody else? I mean, I'm talking maybe, you know, I mean, if you get to the ridiculous levels, you would you take Neymar? Over Sadio Mane or anybody else? I don't know. Oh, no. with No, no. Without a doubt. You have the total package with Sadio Mane. There are so many other negative things that come with a Neymar. That come with so many other players. Just negative press or negative PR outside of football. And Sadio Mane is just such a... He's... I'm not... The word... The quiet isn't the word. Quiet isn't the word. And humble isn't even the word either. But he's just so... I don't know. Maybe just the word is professional. Adult. He's just so mature in how he handles his off-field life. How he handles his focus. And he goes about his business. And he lets his football do the talking for him. And honestly... If you talk to PSG, Real Madrid, Barcelona, they would rather have Sadio Mane than some some of the other players that they have to deal with. I mean, he is one of the most sought-after forwards, and I would suggest that I think people want to get Sadio maybe even more than Mo uh, in a transfer, but they're not going to get either of them. Thank God. Yeah, thank God, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Karen, was he your man of the match, Sadio Mane? Yeah, like, I, like I've mentioned before, um, he certainly stands out as uh, the man of the match for me. 
uh, and the most important player of the game tonight because um, the Leicester centre-backs have done really well to keep Sadio quiet. Sorry, uh, to keep uh, Salah quiet. So when Salah is quiet, Firmino and Mane were just clicking. And I knew that it's either of these two who's going to score. I predicted Firmino to score the opener, um, thinking about the classic 4-1 encounter at Anfield when we reopened the main stand. So just thinking about that, well, I think it's going to be uh, Firmino is going to score the opener because in that game, it was Milner who gave the assist to him. So anyways, um, but in this case, it was Mane who scored the opener and I'm really glad. So I, I hope that it's either of these two who are going to step up when the Leicester centre-backs are busy keeping Salah quiet. And that is quite uh, mature from Salah. And I'd like to point out one thing uh, from Salah. If you remember um, the winning goal against uh, Salzburg, it was Salah's clever movement between uh, the centre-back and uh, the left-back. And that flick from Firmino just set up Salah for, for a simple goal. And it was a similar run-up to, uh, again in this case, when uh, I think it was Van Dijk who, um, you know, um, made a long pass over the head. But anyways, he made so many clever runs into the box and across the defenders, um, sideways and, you know, just through them. Um, And that was a really clever and mature performance from him. Unlucky that he didn't score. Um, Like uh, it it has been mentioned that uh, even he could have scored a couple of goals. So um, I think a mature performance from Salah needs to be uh, applauded. And Mane certainly stands out as the man of the match because he did really well defensively. I think he was, he matched the pace uh, of Chilwell. Or if I'm not wrong, he even beat him in pace and he made crucial blocks. Um, he was really good offensively as well. I think he had total control with the ball. He was uh, he was incredible. So I think, yeah, if someone needs the man of the match award, I think it's him. And then it's Milner and Fabinho. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Very good arguments. Exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, you mentioned Johnny Evans. I thought he was really good for Leicester. Um, you know, we've mentioned him and, and Suyun Chu. I thought they were both excellent. And I loved Suyun Chu's haircut. That sort of, you know, permed mullet with a <laughs> face that sort of came from the 80s as well. Um, oh, my gosh. Owen. Owen, but I, I exactly said the same thing. My girlfriend, whenever she was watching the game, she was like, did Lester get a time machine and go back into the 80s and get a free transfer? Like, where did this guy come from? That is so amazing. I'm so happy you were thinking that. No, totally. I had some Panini stickers back in the 80s where I'm sure he was on it. Um, but, uh, yeah, Mark, um, uh, what did you make of Leicester today? I mean, they, they just they kept trying, but they only had two, two shots. They only had one on target. They almost got a point. It was quite interesting from their point of view, wasn't it? What did you make of them? Yeah, I thought they were brilliant. At the end of the day, I know that we say they didn't have many shots or shots on target. But at the end of the day, if it wasn't for that silly tackle, really, at the end from Albrighton, they would have been coming away from Anfield with the draw, the first team to take points off to pull the season. So I thought they were brilliant, but they're just such a well-built built team. When Rodgers was linked to the job, I remember thinking, this is a, a dream for any coach that wants to come to the Premier League, or even is already in the Premier League, because 
that that team is it's the most attract by far the most attractive team I'd say outside the top six, but even more attractive to take over that team than a lot of some of the teams in the top six as well. They're so well constructed. The goalkeeper is strong. Two really good fullbacks. Two brilliant centre backs. So Yonchu, that's one of the best centre back performances I've seen at Anfield for a long time. He was so aggressive, and and he and he really did keep Salah quiet for the majority of the game. Anything that went down that side, he, he just got to it. Just, just I remember actually a funny point is that I remember. Towards the end of the game, I think it led to the, the actually to the unfortunate tackle on on Salah just after that. But I'm pretty sure that I said there's no point in hitting it down that side because he just gets it every time. But then Salah just gave him a little nudge and he fell over. That's one of the things I love about Salah. A similar thing happened against Maguire um, a couple of seasons ago. He just put him on his bum. I don't know how he does that, Salah, for such a small guy. But he's, he obviously is quite strong as well. But Leicester were brilliant. Madison was was good. I was watching Madison a bit actually because of the transfer speculation that's been around him and the possibility of him joining Liverpool at some time in the future. I I know we were interested in him before. Um, there was a lot of rumours when he was at Norwich before he joined Leicester. But the point I've seen some people make is about his work ethic. Now, I thought his work ethic was fantastic. If you watch the amount of times that he was coming back and he dispossessed Liverpool in good situations because he could set off then a counter-attack as well. So I was looking out for that. I thought he was excellent in that role. Maybe um, more so this week than other weeks if he's playing at Anfield wants to impress maybe in terms of his, his work rate because that, you need that if you're joining a, a top club. But I thought they were brilliant. Roger set them up really well and they will definitely take points off to, uh, top six teams this season, home and away. Yeah, it's an excellent answer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree. I think they're, they're a fabulous team. What's your take on them, Brian? Uh, yeah, listen, I just agree. <laughs> what everything Mark said, I just, uh, I, yeah, that, that's my thoughts exactly. Um, okay. I think. Would you take yeah. Madison then? Would you? Would you? Yeah. Would you get him into the Liverpool team? Yeah, you know what? I've I've same. I've been scouting him myself <laughs> uh, for for a while, and uh, he seems like a good lad. He's he's got a he's got a quite a a bubbly personality. I mean, he's he's an exceptional player. Um, and in terms of people saying, oh, he doesn't put the effort in, the people were saying the exact same thing about Sadio Mane when he came to us. Uh, you know, uh, Southampton fans were you know a case of bad. Uh, sour grapes they were saying oh yeah he's a good player but he goes missing in the big games or not in the big games but you know you'll see you'll see he's he's not as good as you think he is and and I, I think if you if you get a talented footballer and you put him into this Liverpool um system you know the the, the way the club is being built uh, I mean it's every player's dream to play for a manager like Jurgen Klopp um and I think he would be uh, a great acquisition i i'm not sure how old he is he seems very young um so i i think you know i, I think even jan well i don't know they wouldn't let him go in january but he would be one of the top players that i'd be looking at um and just to get back to leicester yeah i mean I'm, I'm a huge fan uh they they, they are set up so well uh, as mark pointed out there's such balance in their squad um set up to with the right players in the right positions all over the park. And they've got some of the most exciting young talent as well coming through. So um, it, this is a huge result 
for us because um, it was very, very tight, even though they had um, only two shots on goal or well, one shot on goal. Um, there, there was a sense that it, it was kind of on edge because you, you know what their game is. Their game is to hit you on the break rapidly and uh, it, they can turn any game in a moment. And, and Vardy, as much of an of annoyance he is as, a, as an individual, he's an exceptional player. And, the, and Brendan's getting a tune out of him again. Um, so that, that, you know, the, the, the goal that we scored with, with Mane was a, was a classic Vardy kind of goal, you know, just over the top, one-on-one off the shoulder. Um, so yeah, to, to be able to take three points off them, even at our own place, uh, it was huge and to do it in the last seconds. I mean, it's the best way to take three points. Uh, I was impressed with them. Their, their, their stats, like if you're just looking at the game, I mean, football is not all stats. You know, if you just look at the game, you know, that was a very, very tight game between two very, very good sides. Um, so I think they'll do, I, I can see them getting to the top four easily uh, this this particular season. Well, I hope so, because I've got a one euro bet with the Fergus of Cop on podcast that uh, that they will indeed do that. And I'm, but I'm so glad they didn't start today. Um, good point about, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I just choked at the thought of one euro there. Um, um, good point about the stats. Yeah, because I'm just looking at, at Leicester's stats. Um, they had, uh, you know, when, when, like I mentioned before, Trent Alexander-Arnold had five key passes, just him. The whole Leicester team had two, which goes to say how brilliantly we defended, Karen. Um, but I want to move on, Karen. I want to move on because now we've got this We've got this break. We've got this pesky two-week international break. But, you know, we're flying high. The liver bird is soaring in the clouds. And so are us fans. Our heads are in the clouds. Eight wins out of eight. But then when we come back, Karen, it's a crunch match. It's a huge one. A shock, as they say in France. It's, um, it's uh, Manchester United, Old Trafford. Um, and we're going to absolutely crush them, aren't we? I mean, what's going on at, at, at Manchester United under Ole? I mean, are you laughing? Are you crying for them, you know, out of sympathy? Are you sort of, I don't know, I feel sorry for your brother, Karen. Is he okay? I don't know. I haven't checked on him. He seems okay, I guess. I don't know. He's not just too bothered about the game. But I'm pretty sure that he will be on Liverpool's side in the game because um, he knows how bad United are doing. Um, I've been laughing on and off, and I just feel so bad for them. But it's great for us. I mean, wow, just be on your way. Go down as usual, and we'll be on the rise. Um, So this is our time, um, and uh, we're thoroughly enjoying it. Um, And I think that it's just going to be an easy game, but it's going to be a little bit difficult because United are just so stubborn when it comes to face Liverpool. Because if you remember this fixture last year, they were three players down within first 30 minutes or 40 minutes or something. And we had a golden chance to win the game, but unfortunately we couldn't. Um, and if you just look at the squad uh, they had and the squad they have now, I think it's totally different. Um, they haven't been doing particularly well. Um, away games, they're shocking. Home games, somehow they just grind the results with 1-0 win, whatever. I don't really care. 
But this game, when we come back from the international break, we will be on our front foot the entire game, totally controlling it. And Ole is gonna think that, why have I even taken this job? I am seriously gonna, you know, like uh, expect a short video on Twitter where he's gonna say, why did I even take this job? They're all fucking shite. Um, so I'm really expecting um, a really crunch game. I'm expecting uh, total Liverpool dominance. And I think a front three will be on the score sheet. Um, but the only problem is that the international, after the international break, the first game that we play, we're usually not uh, on a top form straight away. We take some time to settle down. And then, uh, you know, we sort of get into the rhythm and we play. So um, I think in this game, we can't afford to do that. We have to be uh, right in a top form, right uh, at the whistle. Because if we allow them too much space or time, I think then they're just gonna, uh, we're just gonna give them too much respect and uh, they don't deserve it. So I think we need to attack this game from second one until the 19th minute. And I think if, if I were a manager, this would be my approach. Second one, just keep attacking them. Just imagine you're playing at Anfield and how they were humiliated uh, when, we, when we won against them. So I just want the same performance, but at Old Trafford. Excellent answer. Um, as we speak, I mean, they've only played seven matches. They've got nine points. Uh, we've got 24, Mark. We're 15 points ahead of them after eight games. They've got a game in hand. Uh, their form, Mark, is uh, draw, loss, draw, win, loss, draw. It's their worst start to a season for 30 years. We are going to absolutely destroy them, even if it's Old Trafford. Mm. I mean, even if they're going to have some extra motivation yeah. because they're playing against us. They're in a different league mm. to us. This is a championship team, and this is our best chance to score, you know, more than our club record, 11 goals uh, against any team. Um, it's going to be 12, Mark. 12. Well, I... I love the enthusiasm. I hate to be uh, a negative voice on this, but I'm sorry. No matter how poorly Manchester United are doing, the one thing that they do is they step it up against Liverpool at Old Trafford. I, I, I can't get my head around why, but for some reason, Liverpool seem to kind of get scared in that game at Old Trafford. They have not, logically, there's no reason to be scared because in terms of coaching staff, the players, the, the way that we play, everything on the pitch, it sh should lead to Liverpool being confident. And as you say, going and, and taking the game by the scruff of the neck and just going for it. But for some reason, at, at Old Trafford, we just... I, I, I can't get my head around why, but obviously I, I, I respect it's very difficult to go to Old Trafford. But I mean, the actual in terms of the performance, it's seldom that Liverpool put on a magical performance at Old Trafford. We have had a couple, but Liverpool rarely play their best game at Old Trafford. Manchester United do pick it up, and Oli, he'll have the support of the fans, the majority of the fans, regardless of the situation, and we know he doesn't like Liverpool. Uh, well, it's rumours that he does like Liverpool. I think that he almost goes the other way now in order to uh, dismiss that narrative from when he was younger, but 
he'll be really up for this one. The fans will be really up for this one. There'll be a lot of anger. They'll have a couple of weeks to get their head together. I think that this is a really tricky game because we were saying the same thing last season. And I know that they were they had been rejuvenated a bit, but we were still confident going into the game because we were just, and we are a better team than them. But there's something about Manchester United when they play Liverpool at Old Trafford. And there's something about us, more importantly, whenever we go to Old Trafford to play Manchester United, we don't seem to put on our best performance. I hope that changes. But uh, I, just, I, don't, I don't have the same confidence that you have. I'm sorry. Oh, no need to apologise. It's a very, very reasonable answer. Um, Ryan, where, where, where do you stand on it? I mean, you know, you're brimming with confidence. Are you cautiously optimistic, that man? No, we're going to smash them. We're going to destroy them. We're going to beat them so badly that United fans will never want to watch another game of football again. Ollie's <laughs> going to lose his job. We're going to beat them 8-1. They're abject. They're absolutely gash. Horrible, horrible team. And I, 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 kind of, I agree with Mark, definitely. We, we, um, we, we, do don't, we do not put a good performance in when we go to Old Trafford. But I think the difference this season from last is, I, I honestly thought uh, that game, we thought, oh, it's Old Trafford, a point's good, you know, it's, it's always Old Trafford. But this time around, we're not going in there with that mindset. We're going in with the mindset, we're the European champions. We are absolutely streets ahead of this team. And we're just not going to tolerate them getting anything out of us on that day. I think we'll be going in there aggressively to just uh, just to play them off the park. We're just such a better team. And with VAR now, I think it's interesting. I think we are the team that, that benefits the most from VAR. Um, because of the way we play. We play the highest line, I think, in, in the league. And if it's just a game of football against two teams, you know, playing football, more times than not, we'll win that game. So I think this particular game, they will be absolutely cacking themselves because we could quite easily turn up there and, and tonk them. And I don't think we're going to go into that game with a sense of trepidation like we've done in the past. I, I think this is the one of the first genuine times we'll go to Old Trafford thinking we could this genuinely just snuff them out. Like, okay, maybe not battle them or destroy them, but you know they won't get the ball uh, you know, off off us for most of it. If we just kind of um, if we come back from the from the international break and we we don't suffer any you know injuries, touch wood, then. Uh, <sighs> I really think this is the game that's set up for us to really smash them to pieces. Excellent stuff. Excellent answer. Where, what's your take on it, Shane? I mean, Brian's been talking about the mentalities, right? our mentality going in there. Not just the fact that we're European champions, champions of Europe, uh, but also the nature of this win. We'll do well, you know, like a last-minute winner. That's always good for the, good for the confidence. So Shane, surely, as Brian says, this is our year to go and you know make a statement that we are miles ahead of them. Absolutely. As Jurgen Klopp always says, everything is opportunity, and it is an opportunity to lay down a line in the sand, a marker, 
to the rest of the English football world about where exactly this club is, about the world-class quality that we possess on the managerial staff throughout the whole club through and through. And it is just a great way to put a stamp of intent on the season of our brand of football and it's honestly it's it's a it's a big entertainment thing millions and millions and millions I mean maybe even a billion I don't know but millions of people tune in around the world it's a big big game for the Premier League it's it's a prime time you know I know it's not at prime time in the evening but it is a prime like ready to roll uh, exciting match and it's a marquee for sure um, what I'm worried about, uh, for example, uh, so I guess my take on it is, yes, I think United are obviously struggling. There's no denying that. But honestly, I don't think they're struggling as much mentally. Now, in terms of results, yeah, they're struggling. But mentally, I think there might be even a, they might be in a better place than Tottenham right now. I mean, Tottenham feel like they're in a full, full-on nosedive at the moment. Uh, that I don't know if they're going to pull out of. Uh, but United seem to be, I don't know, for some reason I get this impression that United mentally are doing better than Tottenham. Uh, but that's a, that's a side note. The thing I am worried about um, is, that, is that challenge that Hamza put on uh, Salah there at the end and how, he, and how Salah went off. That's my only concern is how uh, injured or how not injured Salah might be, how much of a knock that might be. I know he got up and he trotted off the field and everything, but I guess my only concern is for the physical fitness for our lads after such a rough game today, specifically Mo, and then everyone getting through the international break a okay. And I mean, obviously we've proven, as we stated earlier in this episode, no weak links in the squad that no matter what, we, I definitely think we will get the victory. But I am just, uh, I am just worried about Mo and his leg there because I thought that was a rash challenge at the end. Yeah, I mean, you're right to bring it up. We haven't, we haven't even mentioned it. Um, Hamza Chabi, if you're listening to this, if any relatives, friends, neighbours of Hamza Chowdhury are listening to this, piss off. I hope he pisses off, pisses right <laughs> off, because that is not the kind of challenge you even need to do uh, as you approach the end of the game. Yes, bring him down, take the yellow card, you pull his arm, you know, you don't injure the man. So yes, all of our prayers will be for Mo to, to uh, you know, to get better. Because as Karen mentioned earlier, Mo Salah had a terrific game today, um, and that could easily go under the radar. He had uh, more uh, shots than anybody. He had five shots in the match, and despite the brilliance of the you know Per Mullet Soyuncu and the the now ancient, practically decrepit Johnny Evans. Um, uh, you know, uh, Salah was still getting through time and time again. He was he was absolutely superb. So let's hope and pray that he'll be okay. Um, after just you know to, to to round it up, I mean after um, United, we've got Tottenham, then we've got Arsenal. Um, both of those matches are at home, and then we've got Villa, then we've got City. Uh, so we're playing four of our five rivals in the top six uh, in the next five matches if you can keep all those numbers in your head we've got arsenal tottenham arsenal villa then city shit as they say is getting real um karen uh, we don't have 
time or the opportunity to rotate very much. Can we win all these matches? You know, those five matches after the international break, or is that just ridiculous? We're going to have to lose or draw at some point, won't we? Um, yeah, I think um, we can we can sort of uh, uh, rotate in in all these games, um, like we have rotated in this game where uh, Lovren came in place of Gomez, Milner came in place of Henderson, and we need fresh legs for uh, such games because we have four of our rivals in the next few games, and we have Champions League in between also, I guess, against Genk, isn't it? So um, we can we can afford we have the uh, ability to rotate as well as uh, win the games. Um, United and Spurs are uh, winnable games because um, they are in uh, not in good form. Spurs are uh, down the road. I think they they are in the relegation zone if you count the away form. Um, United also are on the way down. So um, if we if we manage to get comfortable wins without you know getting in second or third gear in these two games then i think we can just continue with the same team um until the the city game or we can even rotate if if club pleases to have fresh legs um, like for example um play Milner and place of henderson in today's game then in the next game uh, let's press Milner and let's play uh, henderson so based on the opponent based on the tactics that uh, club has in his mind we have the we can surely rotate players. Um, we can even give uh, Wijnaldum a bit of rest, bring on um, Naby Keita because I'm really eager to see him play. Um, also, we can give chances to Oxel Chamberlain, uh, give cameo roles to Lalana, bring Shakiri in, um, even give Elliot a chance if, if that's possible. Um, but yeah, I mean we can always sort of rotate. Um, take a chances on uh, all the players, um, assess their abilities in certain roles. For example, um, throw in uh, Lalana in a camera role in the last 10 minutes of the game and just change the momentum of the game, bring it in our favor, etc., etc. So, you know, all these small little changes that seems irrelevant to other users, but on a bigger picture, um, it, it has a very important role because not only our players will be fresh, we will we will be so comfortable to rotate players, to experiment. I know we don't really have the uh, luxury to, you know, uh, take risks on that, but, you know, just sort of some cameo roles, um, play senior players um, in, in certain games, and, uh, and then, you know, just rotate, like, give 10 minutes to Navigator, bring him back to his uh, full match fitness, and then you know give him a start and sort of like that so um we really have a good squad we have the we have chances to rotate among our players everyone are equally professional so um if uh, one player does not get to play a game i think he's going to take very professionally and perform the role that he is given to when he is being brought into the pitch so um Let's, I think Klopp is going to keep legs fresh. Like we saw in today's game that Henderson and Norigi uh, came in late and we rested, uh, I think it was Salah and uh, Firmin, I think if I'm not wrong. So um, just give those, these players uh, 
chances uh, to, you know, get some rest and then come back stronger in the next game and so that we don't lose the momentum. So, but that's the key, to not lose momentum because the way we played today, the control and the dominance that we had today, um, we need to keep up the same form and um, that will allow us to, you know, rotate players and give camera roles to players without breaking the momentum. I agree that uh, Leicester scored, I think, 10 minutes before the for the final whistle, and then we, we just needed a bit of luck or, you know, keep up the same uh, spirit uh, until the until the final whistle and to grind the results. So um, we just have to be fully concentrated. If, uh, if Klopp wishes to uh, experiment among his players without losing the momentum, I he has uh, my total support. Um, but then um, it just depends on the opposition. Like, for example, in against Genk, we will have the, uh, you know, luxury to rotate players. We can give Oxlade a chance to start and we can uh, rest, uh, say, Henderson, for example, for the next game. If uh, the next game is a big uh, one, then you can rest him or we can play him. Sorry, yeah, sorry to interrupt. But yes, I mean, um, yeah, okay. But, you know, again, Genk, we, we are second in the group, you know, with four points, three points, three points and one point. Um, you know, they, they got a nil-nil draw against Napoli. How would you feel, um, Mark, if we did rotate against Genk and we used those games compared to rotating against United, Tottenham, Arsenal or Villa or even City? No, I don't really think we can afford to rest many players against Genk because obviously the positioning of the group is, it's I remember on this podcast a couple of weeks ago I was saying ah, it's fine the Napoli game you don't need to worry about it it's not that difficult to get out of the group and I have to admit I underestimated the other teams in the group and they're they're very talented uh, teams especially Salzburg don't have first-hand experience of gank yet but their their result against Napoli was impressive because Napoli are a brilliant team so Obviously, if you had to rest two of the front three in the Premier League match, any Premier League match pretty much, or any Champions League match, you would pick the Champions League match. But the way the way the, the group has gone so far, I think, it's, especially for the first game against Genk, if we, can, if we can get that game out of the way, see how the other results go, there could be a draw in the, in the game between Napoli and Salzburg. And then see how it goes for the second game. It's definitely for the first game, should not be looking to rest players. The Arsenal game is the obvious one where we should be looking to rest players at any opportunity that we can. I'd play the same team as we did in the first game in the Cup. Plus, you know, Shakiri, who was unavailable for that game, unfortunately. So, yeah, no, I, I, think, I think that Champions League group is, is, is definitely something that we need to look at and be careful of because... Any team in this group has the capability of hurting us. Interesting, yeah, interesting. Yeah, speaking of, you know, Salzburg as well, I've got some stats from at Statman Dave about Minamino, the wonderful Mini Firmino. Minamino, 100% final third pass accuracy against us the other night. 100% of his passes were successful in the final third. That's incredible. He had 10 ball recoveries, four tackles, two out of three shots on target, two out of three take-ons completed, one assist and one goal. Um, the final question is, I don't know, 
um, about the, I don't know, you can take it wherever you want about the Champions League, or also, should we sign that little dynamite Takumi Minamino or someone else in January? Yes, sign him. Sign him fast. He was awesome. There was a bunch of players in that team that were really, really surprisingly good. Um, I mean, I'm looking at the, 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 the games coming up. I, I agree with the lads and, and uh, Mark in terms of uh, Genk. I, I don't think we have the room to take them lightly. Um, I think if we, I mean, we should be able to get three points there. They have a very tough game against Standard Liege, I think. I'm probably not pronouncing that correct. Um, a couple of game, a couple of days before that game. And looking at the bunch of games coming up, uh, the ones that really stand out to me are United away, Spurs at home. I, I mean, if if something happens at Genk, then okay, so be it. We can still recover from that. Arsenal at home in the League Cup is a is a gimme. You know, again, yeah, agree. Take have the same team that played in the cup in the first round. Um, if we can get a wit six points from an abject United team away, and then another uh, three point sorry three points from United and three points from Spurs at home, then wow. I mean, what what a position to be in uh, going into that game against um, City uh, a few weeks later. I mean, Aston Villa, we haven't mentioned them, but that's, that's the one I think coming up after the uh, Arsenal League Cup game. They've been, they've been really impressing me so far this season. They've been playing some really amazing attacking football. That's got banana skin written all over it. Um, but yeah, you know, I, would, I, I have tunnel vision on... United and Spurs. Um, as long as we get, we win both those games. I'm not that fussed about what happens in the other two. I mean, I think he, I don't see us losing in Gank. Worst case scenario, may get a draw, um, but even then, it's not the end of the world. Uh, but as Mark says, if we can go there, get the three points like we should do, then I could see uh, ourselves and RB going through and Napoli getting squeezed out by RB because I was really, really, really impressed with them second half um, uh, of, of that Champions League game. So, yeah, as long as the, the win party carries on week in, week out, I'm happy. Excellent answer. Um, Shane, I'll leave you with the final words for today. Uh, Liverpool, eight wins out of eight for this season, 17 out of 17. It just sounds, it's surreal how good it is, isn't it? Um, and Shane, you know, after the international break, this steamroller is just going to keep, you know, chugging along and flattening everything in front. Absolutely, absolutely. We all need to keep in mind, knock on wood, we're only 225 days away from May 17th. So, Lord, Lord willing, and may the universes and planets align, I mean... I, we can go all the way. Marvellous stuff. Only 225 days. I tell you what, it's great to look forward to because that sounds like a lot of days of enjoying this. That's a lot of days of being the champions of Europe and this extraordinary team that we all love. Uh, watching them again and again, I would say week in, week out, but now we've got two weeks of boredom of the shitty, awful international break uh, you know, we're all going to have to pretend that, you know, there are other things as thrilling in our lives. Uh, but, uh, you know, 
thank you very, very, very much, gentlemen, for for joining me today. And uh, you know, it's a glorious, glorious day yet again for us all. But thank you so much. It's been wonderful to hear all of your views. Thank you, thank you, everyone. And thus, as the sun of this episode fires its brilliant red over the horizon as it sets, let me just remind you to follow us on Twitter at CopOnPodcast. Send us your sadio pics to CopOnPodcast at gmail.com. Support us on Patreon.com forward slash CopOnPodcast. Liverpool stay top of the league with a 100% record for at least another two weeks. And it is on that note, that sweet, melodic, heavenly note, that I say thank you, dear, gorgeous listener, for being with us.